Hello everyone, you are listening to the Toffee Blues podcast. This week I am joined by Callum Davis. I'd like to say he's jumped on the podcast with us for this week's edition. Callum, how are we doing, mate? We all good? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Good, mate, of course, yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about all the talking points at the moment with Everton. Um, coming in on the back of a really impressive win at the weekend. Back-to-back wins for the Blues. Obviously, we beat West Ham 1-0 before the international break and then we were hoping that we could go to Southampton and get a result. And we came back with all three points on the South Coast, uh, which which was fantastic. You know, the first time in what seems like so long that we got back-to-back wins. Um, Callum set us off, mate. How does that feel? You know, <laughs> back-to-back wins, not something we're used to, is it? But all, all the same, no. delighted to get the result, weren't we? Yeah, well, I, I thought it was a game that we probably should have been targeting for a win on the road. I mean, I don't expect us to go on the road and, and blow sides away, especially with how we were last season. Um, I think everyone will just take quite a solid, you know, simple season with uh, after the drama of last year. But yeah, I did think we could have snuck something from this game. And then when we went behind, I, I did fear for us, but I thought we battled well and I thought we were good value for three points, definitely. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, going away, as you just touched on there, Carl, it's a... Uh... It's with Everton, we're never confident in three points. And it was a tricky game, of course. We mentioned last week on the show that, you know, we don't really have the best of records down there at the best of times, do we? Let alone when, you know, the club's been in better states and, than it is at the moment in recent years. Um, so to go down there and get three points, it was it was obviously, you know, it wasn't out, out the realms of possibility. We're more than capable of going to Southampton yeah. and getting three points. But there's always just that little bit of, um, what's the way I'm looking for? There's always just a bit wary of what this Everton yeah. side can be like, isn't it? You know, especially going to a ground like Southampton where we haven't had much joy in recent years. But, you know, all the same, we uh, we battled, as you said, and, and we got the we got the points. We went 1-0 down. But um, straight away, we got back in the game. I think it was three goals in five minutes. Uh, just on how we started that game, obviously, I think it's fair to say that we dominated the first half. And I think yeah. I, I struggled to re- remember a time when Everton looked so comfortable in an away game. Um so for us not to go in ahead at the break was probably a bit of a frustration. Uh, yeah, were you getting a bit twitchy at the time we weren't putting some of these chances away? Because, you know, as I said, we were the better side in that first half, weren't we? Yeah, well, I think that does stem from the new midfield that we've obviously got. It helps us to dictate games more because we can kind of exert our will on the opposition, if you will. So, so I do think that helps a lot. But I think that is probably our one fault at the moment. I'm quite happy with Obviously, the defence is the best in the league. And the midfield, I couldn't pick a fault with it. I think the only issue with the squad I could find is we are lacking a little bit. I think a little bit of a lethal finishing touch. I think Morpay will bring that in flashes. And I think Calvert-Lewin isn't to be relied upon, but when he's there, will give us something akin to that. But yeah, it is a frustration when, when you dominate games like that. But in the same vein, it's nice to see that from Everton because I think in the past we've always looked uncomfortable in possession when we've had, say, Michael Keane and Yerry Mina at the back. I think neither of them really 
know what to do. And especially in managers of the past where we've not really had many patterns of play, I think it, they've looked, you know, they've looking around, there's no options, and then it'll just end up being pumped to a wing. I think now the midfield will drop in, the wingers know where they're supposed to be. And as much as it's a frustration not to score, I think it was more pleasing, you know, going in, still hadn't conceded, and we were as I said, exerting our will on the game. And then to fall behind was a shame. But the way we bounced back, was it means that we've got the control and then the desire and the will to fight back when things go not the way they're supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree, mate. Um, I think it's very cliche in football, but Everton did show a lot of character. And I think that's just yeah. comes back around to that point of the sort of personalities that we've brought into this side now. Um, it, it's a completely new look defence that the midfield's just been completely transformed. Um, Neil Mope, yeah, he is gonna, he is what he is, and you know he scored a great, great goal against West Ham the week before. Couldn't quite get on the end of anything in this game. Um, of course, we've got Calvert Lewin waiting in the wings to come back as well. So hopefully that can, that can only be a good thing. But yeah, the, the characters and the leaders in this side just showing, showing their worth again in this game. It's all you know. I'm sure you can agree, and a lot of people listening to this podcast will agree that there's been many Everton sides in the past that if you fall a goal down at St Mary's away from home, I think it's going to be one-way traffic, and I think you know a lot of Evertonians will probably not be too much hopeful that we get three points, let alone, well, get one point, let alone three. So, yeah, it was fantastic to see again, just the, the spirit and the fight, and just how quickly we turned it around as well. We've got Lampard to thank for that, the, his character and the characters that he's brought in as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it just comes back around to that old that old saying that I think everyone's quite comfortable with now is that, you know, there just seems to be a bit more of a direction now that, you know, the owners maybe took a step back and he's letting people carry on with their jobs. I think that's starting to real, really transpire onto the pitch now with Frank Lampard and the types of player he's, he's bringing in. Um, so back-to-back wins for Everton, obviously fantastic. Um, we spoke briefly then about leaders and characters. Um, arguably one of the, the biggest and most popular at the moment is Mr. Connor Cody. Um, he's just completely transformed this Everton side, hasn't he? Um, the way he talks, you know, the way he present, carries himself in pre and post match interviews, the way he carries other players through the games. You know, we, we could sit here all night talking about how good he's been for this Everton side. And um, just briefly before we touch on the um, on some of the Connor Cody news that's sort of been circulating in the last the last couple of days or so. What what, what how have you um, what are your thoughts on how Connor Cody settled into this Everton side? Because I'm sure. No, there's no prizes for guessing that he's, uh, he's he's certainly transformed this side, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been a massive part of what Lampard's wanted to do. And I think it marks also a smart change in the transfer policy, as you mentioned, with Mashiri stepping back and obviously allowing Thelwell to do his thing. Because that's obviously a Thelwell signing, isn't it? I think he was the, I'm not sure if this is 100%, but he was the one who brought him in at Wolves. So he obviously holds him in a very high regard. Um, I think him and Tarkovsky without... Oh, it goes without saying, but without them, we don't even have half the success and the stability that we've had this season. Yeah, I just think that he's he's brought in leaders all across the pitch now. So in every position, you can see someone who, if things aren't going right, they can pick them up. You've obviously got the the obvious candidates in Tarkovsky, former Burnley captain, Cody, former Wolves captain, but then even the youth of Onana seems to have bundles of leadership. And I think even like, you know, you've got your Coleman's, which goes a lot saying, but you see even Pickford, I could name so many players. And in the past, I've always thought Everton were quite spineless. And I think that's been completely shifted in just one summer transfer window. 
yeah, 100%. You know, we've gone from crying out for leaders, haven't we? And now you can you can probably pick about five or six on that side. You know, you, you mentioned Tarkovsky, Cody. I think Pickford's really come into his own in the last, ever since, I think ever since Benitez left the club, really. He sort of t- took on the mantle, hasn't he? You know, he wants to carry yeah. this club through the tough times. And um, it was great to see him back in the 11 as well. Um, there was no Calvert-Lewin, obviously. We touched on him briefly before. But I think the biggest sort of shock it, team news-wise was um, Dwight McNeil coming into the side for Anthony Gordon. Um, Dwight McNeil, he's been okay. I think um, he's been, probably been, you know, I don't, I don't like to dig players out as such, but I think it's a fair comment to say he's probably been the the least impactful, maybe, of the new signings yeah. we've brought in. I think that's that, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, I don't think that's an insult to him as well because of how big of an impact of all the other signings have been. Yeah, it? that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, I, I, obviously, he dropped Anthony Gordon. I think that the reason being that he wasn't feeling 100%, which is fair enough. He's played a lot of football. He's still young. Um, I had no issues with that, really. Um, Dwight McNeil, he came in um, up until the goal. If I'm being totally honest, I don't think he was having the best of games at the time. Um, but, you know, you've got it. You've got to give credit where credit's due. And he put, put the ball in the back of the net, didn't he? And uh, it was a great finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a good finish. And and I, I, I do agree with you. I think he has struggled in the in the glimpses that we've seen of him. But I think, again, he's only like 22. I think he's one that can develop into something really special for us. And I think he gives us something a bit different to the likes of Gray and Gordon, who are, you know, more tricky and they can, you know, turn left and right and dazzle defenders. He's a pretty direct winger and you can tell what he's going to do. But sometimes, vast majority of the times, you can't really stop it. I think he'll work hard. 100% 100% of the time and maybe in a game like Southampton it's not as in- impactful but against like a game against a bigger side where you know you're not going to have much of the ball and you'll need to work harder I think that's really really come into his own and hopefully with this goal it might give him the confidence to kick on and become become what we all hope he can be Yeah let's hope so absolutely uh, obviously Dwight McNeil getting the winner there for Everton um, last weekend brilliant for us obviously um, just moving on for a moment, and you know, we, we we sort of touched on it briefly before, but now obviously I want to talk about the news that Connor Cody. Of course, it's easy, it's easy to forget that he's actually on loan from Wolves. I feel like he, he's fitted in that well, and he's yeah. you know, he's talked to the fans so much. It feels like he's been here for forever, but he's only actually been here for a matter of months. So obviously, there's a lot of talk. It's it's it would be absolutely ludicrous for Everton not to even think about making his deal permanent. I'm quite confident, you know, that that deal will become permanent. I think yeah. the club obviously wants it. He obviously wants it. And, you know, if, if reports are to be believed, the Telegraph report today, that the option to take him up on a permanent deal is around four and a half million pounds. But let's be honest, Cal, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Conor Cody, I think, <laughs> I think your money's safe if you were to bet on him to become an Everton player permanently. Yeah, it's an absolute steal four and a half mil for him for everything that he brings, not just the leadership qualities, but he is a technically really good footballer. He organises the defence, but then he can ping a pass. And I think it, it would, as you said, be ludicrous not to take up that option because he's he's been such a big part of the resurgence. Yeah, it's just been an absolute revelation, haven't we? Um, you know, even his goals, you know, obviously we know he scored... He put the ball in the net in the Merseyside derby, albeit it was unlucky to be ruled out for offside. But 
the goal he scored against Southampton, it was quite similar to the to the goal in the derby, except obviously this one was onside. But he, you're right, he's got other qualities as well, hasn't he? Obviously, he's he's a fantastic defender, first and foremost. But technically, he can really help us out in, in other ways across the pitch, wasn't he? Because the way he took that, the way he took that finish to get to the equaliser yeah, at the weekend, it was, it was a great finish, yeah. The striker's finished, wasn't it? So there's a lot of things that Connor Cody can offer seventh side. So fingers crossed that he will be becoming an Everton player permanently. Um, and as I say, I think there's a good chance that he yeah. will. Um, other news this week is um, obviously it's not not so much on on the pitch, more off the pitch. This news, um, obviously on this podcast, we like to cover everything that's happening with Everton at the moment. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a fairly decent bit of news. You know, obviously the kit manufacturer, a lot of people are quite into the kits and the gear and everything. Obviously, Everton have been the make has been Hummel for the last three the last three seasons. I think it's our third our third season with Hummel being the make. Um, Obviously, the news came out that that deal has now been extended into 2024, which, of course, will run into Everton's last season at Goodison Park. So, yeah, I think it's worth talking about. Definitely. What have what you made of Hummel's uh, kits? Obviously, we have never had them before, before this um, deal. So, are you happy to see uh, this kit manufacturer extended? I think they've made some quite okay kits, to be honest. Yeah, when, when we first signed with them, it was quite an unassuming deal, wasn't it? I thought, because we were in a lot of financial trouble, and I assumed it was just the most financially viable deal for Everton. But I think they've probably produced some of the more attractive kits in the last maybe decade or so. Um, there's a few misses, but it's never going to be perfect. And, and I, yeah, I can't really complain with it. And, and I think if we were to hand it to anyone to take us into the new stadium, I can't really see it being anyone else. My only gripe would be occasionally you get photos of peeling off. Yeah, but... Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Hummel have made some good kits for Everton. I think it's quite, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, easy, I almost say it's, it's an easy move, but you know, it makes it's a lot of sense. You know, the, yeah. there has been kit record record sales since we've been with them. Um, I was a big fan of the first kit they bought out um, in Ancelotti's first season. I was a big fan of that one. Um, obviously, it's behind closed doors, but I thought that was a great kit. Last season, not so much, but I feel like last season's home shirt. A lot of the reasons why I don't like that is because it's just associated with, with everything that was last season. So I find it yeah. very difficult to get on board that. But I'm a really big fan of it at the moment. So Hummel, a great kit manufacturer. I'm really pleased that we've yeah. managed to secure that deal for all for next year. We'll see what happens. So my question to you now, Callum, is obviously if Hummel are going to be this kit manufacturer for Everton's final season at Goodison Park, do you think we can expect maybe to see some kind of special kit, if you like, commemorative kit, something that Everton can be wearing? Because, of course, it's easy to forget this is next season. You know, I know. It, it's bizarre. It's up, mad to it? think. Yeah, it snuck up on us massively. You know, I don't know I don't know whether it's just everything that happened with the pandemic or, or the, the horrors of last season. But, you know, last, next season is, is the last season at Goodison Park. So what, what do you think, in your opinion, can we expect from the, from the home shirts for next season? Well, a stake deal... I'm not sure if this is 100% as well, but that should have ran out by then. Um, my prayer would be that we pick an aesthetically pleasing sponsor uh, yeah. because I, I guarantee that will be the year where everyone has to buy a kit because it, that is the season where we moved over. Um, I think we'll probably do the normal lineup and similar to, I'm not sure if you'll remember it, but it was the, the summer that we signed... The Cumin summer where we signed all, all those players, and we, yes. Sandro Ramirez is one of them that I remember. Yeah. And we wore, I think it was something associated with Dixie Dean, a kit, and it had like a white collar. Um, 
and no sponsor and it just had like a simplified badge yeah it was I the 125 years of Goodison shirt wasn't it that yeah, one. That's, yeah. That's, I think, yeah it was the it was the shirt that Sanjo scored his one and only goal in a pre-season friend I think we were playing I don't know I think it was a severe, severe. Or, yeah, yeah that was it that was it yeah yeah I think it will see something similar to that but I do think we'll see something very Goodison themed Hummel have been quite good as well for integrating the history of the club into so um, they'll try and you know look to the past and past kits like with goalkeeper kits. I think last last season's goalkeeper kit was that the yellow and the black, yeah. yellow and blue one. Yeah. That was you know akin to an old one, stuff like that. So they've obviously got you know someone working on that kind of stuff. I'm sure they'll have plenty of good ideas for how to properly send off Goodison in the form of a kit. Yeah, definitely. I think a good thing about Hummel as well, which I've picked up on, is that they're very good at taking the fans' advice on board, interacting with fans yeah, on social definitely. media. And I feel like, you know, that, that can't be overlooked, can it? You know, the last thing you want is, you know, for so long, hopefully it, we're starting to see a bit of a change now, but fans of this club have, have been frustrated with the lack of communication between, you know, themselves and the powers of B. So communication's massive in, in football now, not just not just with, with Everton, just in, in sport, in the Premier League, in, in football in general. So to have a kit manufacturer who, you know, talks to the fans and, you know, takes on suggestions and, all, all the rest of it, it, it's a great thing. And I think I feel like a lot of people are very happy. I think the, a lot of the feel on social media has been very positive with the extension of this deal. Um, you're always going to get people who, who are going to want, you know, big multi, multi-million pound deals with Nike and Adidas, but, you know, that's just not going to happen at the moment. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's fine by me. So yeah, Hummel have extended their deal to 2024, um, taking Everton into a fourth season with I think it's the German manufacturers, am I right in saying? They are German, yes, that, yeah. that's correct. Okay, yeah, um, moving on. A um, bit of talk. Obviously, we all, we're all aware in the summer there was a lot of talk about Everton potentially being sold to an American consortium led by Peter Kenyon. That sort of went down like a lead balloon a little bit in the weeks leading up to the season. Uh, you know, there was talk that, I don't know, the, the exclusivity period ran out or they couldn't agree on certain aspects, whatever, and it all went very quiet. And then obviously Farhad Mashiri came out, you know, we come back to that point about communication. And he said that, you know, Everton Football Club is not for sale. He didn't rule out, obviously, he wanted some investment in terms of the stadium. Mm-hmm. But in the last week or so, you know, there's been a couple of couple of stories doing the rounds about how potentially there are some buyers coming into the club. What, what's your take on all this, Callum? Because we're all aware of what happened with the consortium in the summer. That sort of didn't take off, if you like. You know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a story knocking about the, the, the Kaminsky and his sort of, he sort of broke off from the consortium, if you like, and he expressed his own desire to, to maybe purchase the club. And then today as well, you know, we've got the story about Jeffrey Saros, one of the world's richest men who are, if reported to be believed, is in discussions with Farhad Mashiri. Uh, what's your take on, on this, on all the sale talk? I think probably a year or, or, or a few years ago, probably even six months ago, um, you would have got a lot more of a recept, like a, a positive reception to this kind of news, um, purely based on the fact that it was anyone but Ken Wright Mashiri. Um, since I think, I think the turning point, and it's easy to say, was um, the fans protest with regards to Vitor Pereira and Lampard, Mashiri gave in to fan demands, appointed Lampard. We got through the season success and he's obviously learned from all these protests and the 
you know, people pointing out his mistakes. And I, I have to say, since getting rid of Benitez, which was his biggest blunder since, you know, joining the club, he's been pretty faultless. And I am, I'm, I'm happy to just let him keep going the way he is because we are moving in the right direction. Um, you never really know with new owners. You see with Chelsea's new owners, owners Todd Bowley seems like a bit of a live wire. You never really know what you're going to get. And it, it, it represents a period of, you know, you, you can't predict anything. And I think that's the last thing Everton need at the moment. Yeah, in my opinion, I, I can't see Everton being sold before the stadium. No, me neither. I, I just can't see it. Um, okay, mate, I think there was obviously a bit of legs in the talk in the summer with the consortium. Of course there was. But the way that petered out, I feel I, I just can't see Everton being sold before we get into the new stadium. Um, will obviously be worth a lot, will be much more of a valuable sort of proposition yeah. asset, if you like, once we're in the stadium. And obviously, your fingers crossed, we're in a better position football wise, then as well. You know, the early signs are there at the moment with performances on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I think it's no secret that Mashiri is looking for investment in terms of funding the stadium, of course. Um, I, I fully expect him to be to be exploring those avenues. But in terms of a complete sale of the club, I just can't see that happening until Everton at least move into Bramley Moor Dock, which I think is probably the plan when Mishiri took over. You know, Everton yeah, obviously going to be I, worth I a lot like more. I've seen, I've seen that vision. It seems like it's all been culminating towards the stadium build and then I can yeah. see him, like as you were about to say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because it, at the end of the day, it's a business, isn't it? It's a business model. Yeah. You know, you'd, be, you'd be naive to think anything otherwise. It's a business model for him. He's a businessman. Um, he's certainly not a football man. I think that that goes without saying the last couple of years or anything to go by. But yeah, Everton are worth a lot more in a in a fifty five thousand whatever seater stadium on the on the yeah. banks of the of the Mersey. So I think we can expect the sale in the next few years. But I don't. In, in my, I, I could be wrong. We could get sold. I don't know. Uh, I'm just just spitballing. But obviously, I, I can't see Everton being sold altogether. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, so yeah, that's just something to be aware of at the moment. You know, it'll probably die down within a couple of weeks anyway. This sort of talk always does. Always always do a, that, yeah, yeah, it's a story that does the round for a couple of days and then, it, you know, so, someone, you know, drops a bucket of water on it and it just peters out into nothing. Um, yeah, just before we start wrapping things up, um, big game at the weekend, Manchester United. It's always a big game when United come into town. Um, we have a lot of confidence at the moment. Um, playing really good football, two wins on the bounce, unbeaten in seven in all competitions. Um, we don't want to get carried away, even though it sounds like I might be getting carried away. But, you know, for all United's faults, and we know they took a hammer at the weekend as well, they're still a, still a fantastic side with fantastic players, brilliant manager. Um, how do Everton approach this one, Callum? I think the game will be won in the midfield, as is so often the case, but I think particularly... Um, on Sunday, I think what the positive thing I think that's come out of the loss on the weekend is the fact that Ten Hag will be able to reshuffle the side as he sees fit without, you know, losing morale. They'd obviously won four on the run before that game. The likes of McTominay were actually playing quite well. So he couldn't really justify dropping him for the big money signing Casemiro. Now that they've obviously taken that hammer in, I think we will see Casemiro come in, midfield three of him, um, Ericsson and Bruno. I think that's where the game is won if we can keep them quiet because the defence isn't spectacular and the front three without the service isn't going to create much on its own. Ericsson and Fernandez with the midfield that we've got, 
I do back us, especially in front of a Goodison crowd, to keep them quiet. But I suppose we'll see how it goes. But I do think we are in with a very good chance, which I wouldn't have said probably a couple of games ago. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of people are probably confident playing most sides at the moment in the Premier League, at home, yeah. certainly. Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag when Man- when we play Man United at Goodison. We've had, we've had our fair share of fantastic results, don't get me wrong. Um, but also, you know, we have been turned over by them a few times as well. Obviously, we won there. Well, there. We won at home last year against them. Um, yeah. That Anthony Gordon deflected strike, which which proved to be a, a really important three points for us, which obviously went on to help us in our survival. But, you know, United, that they, they, they aren't amazing. They aren't an amazing side. They are still a very good side, of course, as I mentioned. A side in transition. Players. Yeah, side in transition, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, obviously, that big hammer, and they talked to City. They got mauled by Manchester City at, last weekend. Um, I don't know if that's the most ideal thing to happen because I remember earlier in the season when they got mauled by Brentford as well. Yeah. And then they came, they came in off that. Obviously, Ten Hag got them in off the back of a really disappointing result. And then they got you know, a big win against Liverpool. And you know we don't want to sort of be on the receiving end of an angry Manchester United side. Of course, at the time of recording, Manchester United are in Europa League action tonight. So let's hope they get all that out the system tonight. So we don't, we're not on the end of, of some kind of resurgence. But you know, in all seriousness, it, it's it's going to be a difficult game. Fantastic players. Okay, there's an argument there they're underperforming, but we've still we've still got to watch out for. The, you know, the star men for that side individually, they're still brilliant players, aren't they? You know, Jaden Sancho, Casemiro, Marcus Rashford, who's hit a bit of form this season, Christian Eriksen, Fernandez, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, they, you know, they're they fantastic players. Side, couldn't they? they could trouble any side, but I think the, there's, there's, I think if we, we were to keep it nice and tight, which we have done, and not allow space in behind, then the likes of maybe less so Sancho, but Rashford, Martial will struggle without something to run towards. And then also, I think, set pieces are somewhere where we could be really dangerous because obviously we've been so solid defensively. But also going forward, we've threatened um, the goal on Saturday, scored from a little set-piece routine and on or back across to Cody. And we saw that Brentford troubled them when targeting Martinez, the the centre-back. They've not got a great deal of height in their side. You know, maybe the centre-back whether it be Varane or Maguire, um, and then Casemiro. And then, realistically, there's not much height. We should have Tarkovsky, Onana, Cody, whoever else, all going up. I think the game could be won by slender margins like that if we keep it tight. Yeah, 100%. If we are going to beat them, it's not going to be... It's unlikely that we'll, we'll battle them as such. You never know. But still, um, we, we've got we've got to remain sort of you know, pragmatic in our approach to this game. Very good side. Yeah. Um, this sort of marks the, the, the beginning of a, a bit of a tough period for Everton, if you like. We've got some really tough games coming up, um, which is which is just reinstates the importance of those wins against West Ham and Southampton, I think, as well. Um, what's we've got Tottenham Hotspur next weekend as well, and then I think we travel to Newcastle in midweek. So we've got three really difficult ties coming up. Um, Manchester United at home under the lights at Goodison. I'm sure the fans will be absolutely up for it. The players will be up for it. Uh, I don't think United will be wanting to come to Goodison Park at the moment at all, I will say that. No. They will not be fan. You know, I don't think many teams would. No, not at all. It, it. I think at the moment, I think a lot of people are maybe starting to. As I, as I said, I, I, I got to be careful my phrasing because I don't want to sound like I'm getting carried away. But yeah. some people are maybe the media, other teams are starting to maybe sit sit up a little bit and take note that this isn't the same Everton side as last year. Now 
know, we've got the best defence in the league, as we already know. We've got some quality players. And, you know, we can be a match for anyone, especially at home. So Manchester United, it represents a great opportunity for us to build on this confidence, isn't it? And that's what it's about. We can take so much confidence into this game, can't we, Carl? Yeah, and, and even if, like, we don't get the best results out of these next three games, you can if you can see, you know, the same patterns and the same solid foundation in place, then, like, I will always come away from a game feeling pretty content. We started the season off not brilliantly, you know, the losses against Chelsea and Villa. And the Villa one particularly still stings now. But again, I still thought we weren't terrible and you could see what was what we were building towards. And that has kind of culminated in, you know, the seven unbeaten in all competitions, I think you said. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it is, it's tough to, to, like, predict when you're going into runs like this. But you just, all you can hope for is good performances because I think we'll be, like you said, we're a different side this year and we won't be, you know, we won't get rolled over, that's for sure. No, I don't think we'll get rolled over at all. You know, I think we have, we have the best defence in the league for a reason because we've got some very, yeah. very good players playing for us at the back at the moment, which is very fortunate enough for us. But like I said, I go back to that point again, United, it's still Manchester United. There's always that yeah. little, in the air, you've got to, you've got to come in with a bit of pragmatism. But it is the, it is the start of a difficult run of games. But I go back to that point I made before. A lot of people, I'm not saying a lot of people will accept defeat or accept dropping points, but if the performance is there, then a lot of people, I'm, I'm like you, Callum, I agree. If we can see the direction on the pitch and they've given everything, I think it's fair to say 90% of Evertonians will be quite happy with that. Um, yeah, they don't expect the world, do they? No, exactly. We just want to see players running and putting bodies on the line. Like that that clip that's, um, yeah. that sort of really stuck out from the Southampton game where everyone's throwing bodies on the floor. We've got that kind of players in the side with that type of mentality now, which, you know, I remember at the start of the podcast when you pointed out Lampard, Delwell, they've brought in these the, these characters, these ever, very cliche again, but Everton type players, if you like. Yeah. And I saw a tweet earlier on, I can't remember who put it up, but um, they, they mentioned that it's almost like Lampard is, is going back to sort of David Moyes' sort of principles yeah. and that sort of era. So would you agree with that, that, that Everton may be starting to go back to basics and just trying to bring in Everton type players now? Well, we've got the steel but then with a little bit of class, which I think at times Moyes' sides lacked. Um, you know, you've got the spine of a really, really strong team and, and full of leaders, but then you sprinkle in, like, you know, Iwobi and Onana have just got something a little bit special, and then the front line is all, you know, reliable to to do something. And then, you know, Patterson, when he's fit, is also um, a, a danger. So, yeah, I'd agree with you with that point, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, difficult game at the weekend, but one Everton will be confident they can go and, you know, more than capable of getting a point. But if we get three and three wins on the balance, I'm sure the Evertonians will be an absolute dreamland. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. How, we'll turn up, we'll play our game. We'll be up for it. Of course, we'll be up for it. And we stand a great chance. You know, as you know, we go back to that point we made before, United will not want to be coming to Goodison Park at seven o'clock on a Sunday night under the lights. No chance. Um, you know, it's all about those first opening 10, 15 minutes. You no, know, I won't take someone to throw in a big you know, a hefty challenge or something like that, and everyone's up for the game. And yeah. it was a really exciting prospect, actually, given how, I can't remember the last time going into a game and haven't been in such good form. So to, to be able to go in knowing that, I think it's quite an exciting prospect that we can that we can take the game to United. And if we can build on this unbeaten run, then God, we really are in a healthy position then. Um, but we'll wait and see on that one. So we'll leave the podcast there. Massive thank you to Callum Davies for coming on the pod with us tonight. Be sure to give him a follow on Twitter. Um, 
you can get the Toffee Blues podcast wherever you get your usual podcast. There's also a version going out on YouTube, of course. So be, sh- be sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't done so already. So yeah, thank you for listening. And um, we shall see you next week on next week's episode of the Toffee Blues podcast. So thanks for listening, everyone. And take care.